and let me do that. But again, thank you for being with us tonight. We are glad that you're here. Our lesson for tonight is a little bit different in nature than some of our other lessons, but tonight we are looking at the Bible. We are looking at its inerrancy and accuracy. Last week we looked at how the Bible is inspired by God, and we looked at at some of the things in Scripture that tell us that the Bible is inspired. Um, but tonight, uh, a lot of our evidence is not going to come directly from Scripture, but in things of the world, things that, that we see today that prove that the Bible is inerrant and accurate. I do have some notes that I found. I was uh, preparing for this lesson. I found a book that only had one like maybe one or two different examples and I found some notes in my file cabinet of dozens and so I'm going to try to share with you some of them jot down what you can um, but if you'd like to have a copy of, of some of the notes that that I have I would be glad to, to share those with you just let me know there are many who question the validity of God's word and there are different things that, that people might bring up in saying that, that the Bible is either not, a, not inerrant or that it is inaccurate in some way. Some of the things that, that people might say, how can 40 men in so many different time periods write with detailed accuracy of the events taking place? For those that were to come. And yet we find many places in scripture. Where Old Testament prophecy. Is fulfilled in the New Testament. And we do see accuracy. Now that doesn't mean that there, there aren't. Some um, typographical errors here and there. But things that we can find out. In a, a deeper study of God's word. Uh, but as far as the Bible is concerned. We see accuracy in all accounts. We see accuracy. I've heard it said that the King James was translated by men who purposed to please the king. And therefore it's not accurate for that reason. But even the, the ones that translated the scriptures into English, they, they did so with great care. And they did so with the intention that people could understand not what the king wanted them to believe, but that they could have an accurate account of what the scriptures actually say. And we see many others who have not taken the King James to translate the Bible, but have gone back to original documents and have translated also the same things that the King James writer have already translated. And there are many other accusations, many other things that people say. We'll look at a few of those in this lesson tonight. The Bible itself claims to be the inspired and inerrant Word of God. It claims to be the inspired and inerrant Word of God. Can we believe such a claim? Can we believe that the Bible that we have in front of us is truthful? That it is accurate? And that it is God's Word? 
Our lesson objectives for tonight are first of all to examine the inerrancy and accuracy of the scriptures and to prove whether or not the things that we read about can truly be believed. We're going to look at three points tonight and I want us to continue this lesson next week. Um, some of this may read like a textbook to some degree, just bear with me. Like I said, this is a, a lesson of a different nature tonight. But we begin by looking at the style of the Scriptures. The style of the Scriptures. Many things written and recorded in Scripture are evidence of the Bible's accuracy. We're going to go through a list of those and, and, and determine what that means to us. First of all, as we look at the style of the Scriptures, as we look at, at the things that are written in the Scripture that, that really prove that this is not some random writing. This isn't something that, that is written by random men and put together. This is inspired by God. This is what He wanted us to know. It's not like a book that we would pick up in, in a store. Uh, it doesn't read like a novel. But one of the things that points to the inerrancy and accuracy of the Scriptures is the record of doubt. The record of doubt. We, we read of, of disciples that, that struggled to do the will of God. We see disciples that, that, that struggled and even really doing what they wanted themselves to do. We think of Peter. And one good piece of evidence that, that points to the inerrancy and accuracy of the Scriptures is that Peter denied Christ. Jesus told him that he would. And Peter didn't believe that that could ever happen. And yet, he did deny him. Not once, not twice but three times, and we have record of that in Scripture. Why would we have a record of Peter's denial? It shows us a weakness in him. It shows us that, that he wasn't perfect. And a normal story, a normal novel of, of some kind of other reading wouldn't share that kind of weakness, would it? What about the fact that, that Jesus' disciples fled from him when he was taken captive. They all forsook him and fled. Why would we be told that? You know, certainly we wouldn't be told details such as that in other writings. The disciples falling asleep in Gethsemane. The admission of doubt proves the Bible to be a correct record of events that transpired. This is what God wants us to know. These are details that God wants us to know, that God wants us to see. I, I remember when we did our, our study some time ago on the life of Peter. And we looked at, at Peter's life. And I, I just remember, even from my own personal life, I remember people mentioning to me how much they identify with Peter. Not because of his perfection, but because of his weaknesses. Because he was very much so like you and me. 
And that points to the inerrancy and accuracy of the Scriptures. This is what God wants us to know. Not things that man would have, a, have, have written on their own, but what God wants us to know. We look also at the impartiality of the writers of the Bible. The impartiality of the writers of the Bible. It's openness in regard to the sin and frailty of individuals. Even heroes, even the heroes of the scriptures, we see, had their own failures. Uh, other writings do not record the sins and foolishness of their, their main characters, such as the Bible does. Abraham lied. Moses was denied entrance into Canaan because of disobedience. Noah became drunk. Jacob was deceitful. David committed adultery. Aaron forged an idol for Israel to worship instead of God in Moses' absence. And Paul's persecution of the church. Why would that be mentioned? Why would that be important to us? In seeing someone who was converted to be a disciple, why would we know that he persecuted the church unless God wanted us to know that? And there are many others that we could look at and, and we see their, their frailties. We see their sinfulness at times. And yet, it's another piece of evidence that proves to us the validity of the Scriptures. Familiar details in Scripture. Details a forger would be unable to include. Things that, that if, if they were to have copied one another, they wouldn't know these details. Whenever we go through the Gospels, uh, you'll notice that in, in the different accounts of certain things that that are written about. There are certain details that are not shared in all accounts, but details that only these writers would know. That God inspired them to record for our learning. The woman wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. John outrunning Peter to the tomb, but waiting while Peter went in. Rhoda running to tell of Peter's knock without first letting him in. Paul sending for his books and coat. The linen cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head when he was buried lying apart from the other burial garments. Such details give reference to the fact that, that what we are reading must be an honest and truthful account of things that have actually transpired. But going beyond the, the writings of the Scriptures, when we look at, at our world even, when we, we see what we have in front of us, we see the survival of the Scriptures. And that in and of itself is evidence of the validity of the Scriptures. The Bible has survived many foes and enemies. Many of the writers of the New Testament and other disciples were persecuted for teaching 
the gospel, and yet we still have the Bible with us today. Just looking at some of the things that that the Bible has survived, some of the threats to its existence. The Bible has survived Judaism. Though many of its supporters did not. Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death following a rousing sermon that began with the patriarchs and ended with a rebuke of the Jews for their rejection of Christ and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 7. Because of his words, they stoned him to death. Paul also was stoned, though he did not die. Acts 14 and verse 19. Peter was in prison. Paul was beaten. And many others share in, in the same sufferings. Turn with me for a moment to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And here we read of, of the sufferings of Paul. Some of the, the things that he went through as a disciple of Christ. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I have been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen in perils of the Gentiles in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren in weariness and toil in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness besides the other things what comes upon me daily my deep concern for all the churches who is weak and I am not weak who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation if I must boast I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Eretus, the king, was guarding the city of the, the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Paul suffered many great persecutions as a disciple of Christ. And he wasn't the only one. Many of the, the details that, that he gives here, there were others that suffered in the same way. And even from within the church, Jews opposed taking the gospel to all nations, and yet we still have the gospel with us 
today. The Bible has survived, survived heathenism. Rome was the center of heathenism with its temples. Tradition, patriotism, beautiful architecture and literature defined the cities and citizens of Rome. Influencers, influencers of the day included Plato, Aristotle, Epicurus. Often their teachings opposed that of the Bible, but the people believed them nonetheless. Kings and emperors have attempted to destroy Christianity, such as Claudius, Nero, Domitian, and many who followed them. Christians have been killed, and the Bible destroyed whenever and wherever it has been found. And yet it survives. The Bible has survived Mohammedanism. A false religion combines elements of heathenism, Judaism, Christianity, and the Quran as its guide. The Bible has survived Catholicism and the papacy. Notice here what, what is said of some of the popes. Pope Innocent III of 1199 had French Bibles burned and would not permit the people to have more. Pope Gregory IX ordered the burning of Bibles. Wycliffe was condemned for heresy in 1383 for translating Bibles into the common language. Ferdinand II ordered that 10,000 Bibles be burned on August 8, 1600. Pope Clement II, 1713, condemned the reading of the Bible. In 1884, another Pope Gregory decreed those favoring the Bible societies were guilty of the greatest crime before God and the church. In 1939, the Bible was translated into its thousandth language. It survived even these direct blows against it. Heresy and modern infidelity have also threatened the existence of the Bible. Those who claim belief of the Bible but failed to teach the truth work toward its destruction, false teaching. The 17th and 18th centuries age of reasoning threatened its existence as well. Under men such as Voltaire, 1694 to 1778, Paine in 1787, and Ingersoll in 1885. All stood against the Bible, and yet it survived. Despite the many attacks against it, the Bible has stood for 2,000 years and continues to be a bestseller and one of the most influential books ever written and compiled. Next we, we look at the archaeological accuracy. We're going to look at another but I think we'll stick with archaeological for tonight and, and we'll finish with this point. But as we look at the Bible's archaeological accuracy, when we look at, at findings that scientists have found in the world, we see many many things that prove the existence of the Bible to be true. That prove that it is the Word of God. 
That, that only people who were inspired by God could write these things down. Begin with the code of Hammurabi. Mr. M. De Morgan discovered a mass of black diorite while making excavations in Susa, Persia in December of 1901. This included 4,000 lines of inscription, almost 250 laws by Hammurabi, king of Babylon, from about 2000 B.C. Hammurabi is thought to be the Amraphel of Genesis 14 and verse 1, who partook in the overthrow of Sodom and capture of Lot, whom Abraham freed. Skeptics have claimed that Moses couldn't have written the first five books of the Bible because writing didn't exist back then. But the Code of Hammurabi proved that writing existed. And not only that writing existed, but that it could be used to regulate rules and laws regarding man's dealings with fellow men. Just as the Bible teaches. Number two, the Tel El Amarna tablets. In 1887 AD, a peasant woman found 300 tablets of baked clay at Tel El Amarna, 170 miles from Cairo, Egypt. Each tablet was covered with cuneiform inscription in Babylonian language. These were a series of letters written around 1450 B.C. by governors of Palestine, Phoenicia, Syria, and Philistia. These tablets show that Palestine was a province of Egypt and had been for a long time a province of Babylon. And they were written during the time of the Hebrews, the, the time in which the Hebrews were captives in Egypt. These letters show that Palestine was in a greatly disturbed condition. And they discussed the Canaanites and their enemies, the Hebrews. They mention Jerusalem, a name that many thought not to be used in use until much, much later. The Black Obelisk. A monument of black marble was cut during the reign of Shalmaneser II, king of Assyria, about 850 B.C. The monument shows pictures of nations bringing tribute to Shalmaneser, including a depiction of the Jews coming from Jehu, king of Israel, in 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 10 is where we read that in Scripture. And an inscription verifies the identity of the Jews coming from Jehu, king of Israel. The Moabite stone, number four. A large slab of black basalt was in ancient Moab, east of the Dead Sea. Mesha was king of Moab, 850 B.C., and this is a tribute to Shamash, 
the Moabite deity. It describes how Shamash became angry with the Moabite people allowing Omri, king of Israel, to capture them, making them pay tribute. It tells of the Moabites gaining their independence following the death of Ahab. Reference is made to Jehovah, illustrating details that are found in Scripture. The relations between Moab and Israel agree with this account. Number five, Egyptian discoveries. Several Egyptian discoveries point to the accuracy of the Scriptures. Ramses II's mummy was found. He is the pharaoh of Egypt during the bondage of Israel. The city of Python, mentioned in Exodus 1 and 11, has been discovered with actual storehouses built by the Hebrews. The lower portions made of brick with straw, and the upper portions made of brick without straw. Meneptah II's mummy was found, Pharaoh during the great exodus. And a hymn of victory mentions Israel and the inscription tells of the death of his young son, possibly in the last of the plagues. Also the location of Goshen has been discovered. Scripture references include Genesis 45.10, Genesis 46 verses 28-29 through 29, and also verse 34. Chapter 47 and verse 4, also 6 and 27. Exodus 8.22 and Exodus 9.26. But remember, Goshen was the place in which Joseph brought his family to dwell. And that's the, the first mention that is made in Genesis chapter 45. But we do have evidence of such a place. Number 6, one of the more interesting details is a record of the Hittites. The Hittites were long believed to never have existed because the only evidence for such a people was from the Scriptures. They were mentioned often in the Bible. Genesis 26, 34. Numbers 13, 29. 1 Samuel 26 and verse 6. Records from Egypt and Assyria show that the Hittites occupied northern Syria and southern Asia Minor for nearly 700 years. Also, Hittite buildings have also been discovered. Some others of notable mention. The ruins of Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham's home, have been found. Portraits of the Canaanites whom Joshua fought have been found. Shashak's sculptured account of his campaign against Rehoboam. These bear the names of, of Gaza, Adullam, Agilon, Gibeon, and Jerusalem. Also has been found. Tiglath-Pileser's record mentions Uzziah, Ahaz, Menahem, Pekah, Hosea, and five kings of Judah and Israel. Tiglath-Pileser was the king of Assyria from 745 to 727 B.C. Mentioned in 2 Kings 15, verses 19 and 20. 
Sargon's account of his capture of Samaria and Sennacherib's history of his invasion of Palestine mention King Hezekiah. The excavations of Susa, Persia have confirmed the book of Esther. And the city of Nineveh has also been found. All of these things are, are evidence to the inerrancy and accuracy of the scriptures. Next week I want us to look at, at some more findings, some more things from scripture that, that, that tell us that the Bible is the inerrant and accurate word of God. But we'll stop here for now. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, we read this. 2 Peter 1, verses 19 through 21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit we don't have to have evidence from the outside world to tell us that the Bible is accurate that it is inerrant that it is inspired of God we believe that by faith we believe the, the accounts that are given to us in Scripture and especially those that, that speak of, of the giving of these accounts to us. We believe them to be true. We believe the Bible to be true. Maybe it is that you need to respond to the Lord's invitation. Maybe it is that you need to respond in obedience Maybe you need to respond in repentance. Maybe you need to come back to Him. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need to ask for prayers. We'll be glad to help you in any way that we can. Don't leave here tonight outside of Christ. We give you the opportunity to respond. See that we stand as we sing.